How's it going everybody? Rybred here today and I'm back with John as we are going to continue our off-season breakdown for all 31 teams in the NHL and today we'll be doing John's favorite team, the Nashville Predators. What's up guys? I'm pretty excited for this one. I uh, got a lot to talk about and uh, I think it's going to be a good, good episode. So I, I hate to bring up bad news but you, everyone knows that they made an incredible cup run but it fell just short. Well, yeah, it's bittersweet. Bad news, good news. The good news is they made it there. First time past the second round in franchise history. But uh, bad news is winning the cup is what matters. And if that doesn't yeah. happen, uh, you know, you, you can't say your season was completely successful. So Although, it is pretty cool, though, to make it as a 16 seed. Oh, easily. And I, and I would say not only are you guys, you know, the whole Nashville aspect, like the entire NHL was opened up to the eyes of, of the Nashville fan base and just how much they do love their hockey. Yeah, I think it's a—it's uh, not obviously not the largest fan base, but it's definitely a passionate fan base. Oh, easily. And and, and another big impact about the Stanley Cup run from the Predators is I think the entire NHL is trying to stockpile their defensemen and build from the blue line. You know, I think there are a couple different philosophies about building a team, and the two teams that were successful this past season, the most successful, are the Predators and the Penguins. And uh, you see a lot of teams trying to emulate both of those styles, either whether it's speed or having an insane top four. You know, you look at Calgary now, just went out and acquired Hamnick, Hamnick even yeah. though they already had a fairly strong decor with Brody, I think Hamilton, that forces Stone Giordano. out, too. Uh, you think he'll be four? They might just move him down to the top six. You know, like you got, you're just looking at teams that are really valuing their defensemen. You know. Yeah, and, and guys who are used to be top four are now be considering top six because that, then now we're taking top two guys and putting them on the top four, and you just you've got these teams with ridiculous defensive cores, uh, and then if you don't have defensemen, uh, your team is going to be absolutely uh, just atrocious. It's going to be a, a dumpster fire. I mean, for one example is the Buffalo Sabres. We probably had the worst decor in the NHL, but, you know, then we look at a team like the Panthers who are setting the bar for what a defensive core, uh, a cup-winning defensive core would look like. Yeah, uh, I think that the other thing is uh, you're talking about blurring the lines between top four, top six, top two. That's definitely happening in Nashville in a way that we haven't seen before of a... You know, you got two guys, Subban and Yossi, who are definitely top two guys, but they're playing 25 minutes a game just the same as Ellis and Ekholm are, or just 23 to 25 minutes. They're all getting similar minutes. So I think uh, managing time like that is not something you've seen with defensemen, especially when you got guys like Ryan Suter, who in a big playoff game might play 32 minutes a game, which is, you know, insane. And it, and it certainly keeps the tread on those guys' tires. Uh, you don't want your guys getting burned out uh, and, and having so many amazing options, and you don't really have to shelter too many players when your defensemen are are just as good as the Predators. Yeah, I think that's the strategy, and uh, obviously it took them pretty far. Uh, the cup run is certainly far. Uh, but what's you know, but next for the just, Predators? Uh, what's next? Oh, well, let's talk about it wasn't just the defensemen that took them that far. We, we kind of glossed over. We got to talk about the forwards, and that the forward core is, uh, I think, something, and it's an underrated aspect of the Predators. You know, people don't talk about it enough. But you, but you guys went out, and you know, you you're doing what a lot of teams are doing now. We see Minnesota and Anaheim doing it uh, with their stockpiled defensive core, and you saw um, 
the St. Louis Blues do it with Shattenkirk, you guys are taking these amazing defensive uh, assets that a lot of teams don't have, and you're turning it into good assets that you may not have. You guys traded Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. I mean, that trade yeah. looks like a, a win for you guys, certainly now. You know, I think that trade really ended up being a win-win because, you know, that that pick of Seth Jones, we, we picked the player with the highest value, even though we had a surplus of defensemen. And it worked out for us because we were able to trade for someone who's been such an asset to the team. You know, it maybe if he wasn't injured going to the Stanley Cup Finals, it's a different series. But oh, obviously easily. you can't talk about that. But uh, just what, what, a, what a valuable pickup. And I think that besides stuff like that, the other thing you see the Predators doing is really building through the draft in their forwards. You know, guys like uh, Ryan Johansson, Neal, and Forsberg were obviously brought in. But guys like Fiala... And, and Pontus Aberg, who are coming up, mm-hmm. uh, and, but who made a playoff impact already. Um, Victor Arvidsson, he drafted when he was 20, I think, um, in the fourth round. That That's Jeez, building that's through the steal. draft. You know? Um, and, I mean, and you guys basically think- did the same thing this year. Uh, you touched on James Neal, and he's gone now. So you guys are missing a huge hole there on offense, a big power forward. But you guys didn't give up that first-round pick to keep him on your team, which, you know, in hindsight, might look good, might look bad. We're going to have to see as time progresses after the expansion draft. You guys were actually a team that was hit pretty hard by the expansion draft, if, it, if I were to give my honest opinion. Yeah, I would say that Neal was definitely... I think top five and most valuable players for the Vegas Golden Knights to pick up. You know, obviously they got a guy like Flurry. I'm not. I think he's more valuable than uh, Neil. But uh, you know, Neil Neil's nothing to scoff at. Definitely former 40 goal scorer. So, but uh, I think that uh, not only did we not give up the first, but uh, we we had to protect Yarncroke over Neil. Um, you know, a guy that signed for. A six-year contract, $2 million. That's what he signed, I think, last year. That's a um, really good contract. I don't care who yeah, you are. You know, that, and that's kind of been um, David Boyle's theme has been um, signing guys to long-term contracts uh, when they're young. You know, guys like Ellis, Ekholm, Yossi. You'll look at all of them. They have insane contracts. All of them are paid way less than they should be. And it's because, you know, they, they opted for security of Nashville uh, and and the team trusted them early, and, and a guy like Kali Yarncroke, and even Forsberg. Forsberg is the currently the highest paid forward in franchise history, at six million dollars. Only six value. million dollars, and and he's that's actually besides Vegas. I don't know. This is an interesting tidbit. Besides Vegas, that is the lowest value for highest paid forward in franchise history of any franchise i mean it makes sense when you think of predators you don't think oh they're forwards you know yeah you don't think um, of high cap hits either i mean you know we touched on this uh the the other day when we were talking about the penguins but like 17 20 percent cap holds there's no way in hell anybody on uh, nashville is going to have that kind of cap hold no and it's part of uh nashville you know it's it's not a chicago it's a nashville we, we can't really afford uh to be overpaying guys so it makes david poyle uh, it forced him to be smart with the kind of contracts he offers, and um, and it d- comes d- with the side benefit of com- being competitive. Didn't he just win uh, general manager of the year or executive of the year, whatever they call it? He did GM of the year. He won it, and um, I think that that kind of that's a tough award to uh, give out on a yearly basis because, first of all, you don't know what 
moves are going to work out going into the playoffs because it's voted on before the playoffs have started. Um, and also, you know, GMing is more than just a one-year thing. Uh, I think that – and I think that when they give it out, they say GM of the year, but uh, he made the Weber-Suban deal at the beginning Looks of the year. Looks great for you guys. He made the Jones-Ryan uh, Johansson deal last year. He made the forsberg rot deal – uh, Martin Erot deal, I don't know, four years and ago. That one certainly I think looks that good for you the guys. The culmination of all those, even though they didn't all happen this year, the culmination of all those are uh, kind of the reason he got picked. Yeah, if, if you could just take a look at how each player from Nashville got there, I wish there was like a website or something that I knew of because I'd love to see just a roster breakdown and how each player got to Nashville because that all goes into your general manager. It's not, you know, I believe uh, Peter Shirelli was up for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and I, I don't really look at him in the same ilk that I do, uh, the Nashville Predators general manager, because, you know, you, your team is awful for so many years. You're going to have so many first overall picks. Well, you're going to have value. Uh, but when you're, yeah, uh, Peter Chiarelli wasn't even there for getting those, getting those players. You know, the, the main pickup I think he's made has been, uh, Chris Russell, um, Milan Lucic and, uh, uh larson hall which you know all those are kind of kind of questionable actually i, uh, I mean they don't look so bad now look. but i mean uh those guys had pretty good season but the lucic deal is certainly questionable to me but really the biggest thing about the oilers i think is they lucked into Connor mcdavid jumping you know the sabers and the coyotes in the draft lottery certainly makes that team look a lot better and i wonder what the team would have looked like if shirelli didn't get that Connor mcdavid pick but anyway the back back to the national predators. predators yeah uh, I think that it is. It does go to show you, though, the that you know where if you went to look at the players and where we got them from, you, you wouldn't see a lot of unrestricted free agency on there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of unrestricted free agents, are you do do you do you think there's anybody out there that the Predators should target or would target? Uh, okay, so the reason you wouldn't see a lot of unrestricted free agents out there is because we have been in a position to contend where we are willing to overpay for an unrestricted free agent anytime you have an unrestricted free agent you're going to overpay and but now we are in a position to contend and i think that there are some people we need to target um like i said when ryan johansson went down in the playoffs it uh was a major hit to the predators and uh that was because we lacked the center depth uh that a team like the penguins obviously with crosby and malkin have so you know they're definitely looking to pick up that center we have a big hole at uh second line center especially with mike fisher retiring so i think we'll be the rumors right now are number one we're looking at joe thornton and now they say la also is but um i think it would be really cool to see a guy like joe thornton he he might not be the fastest but he he's no doubt a good player still Oh, yeah, and, you know, it's definitely that kind of center who's going to win you draws, which personally I think was one of the biggest things, is the Penguins just, I think, absolutely dominated the face-off circle. Uh, But, you know, as much as, you know, I like a guy like Mike Fisher, who's a very, you know, hard-nosed guy, battles every shift, I don't think he's good enough to be your first-line center. When you got to roll him out there after you said the uh, when Ryan Johansson went down, you know, the, 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 the Predators just lost a lot of what, you know, there's offense and forwards where now they had to have the wingers, but center depth is something that's really, you know, it's never been, I guess I should say it's always been important in the NHL is if you don't have a good centerman, if you don't have a good player down the middle, you aren't going to do much. 
I truly believe that you have to have a legitimate number one center and a number two center who might be a number one center on another team in order to win a cup. You know, you look at teams like you look at teams like uh, Pittsburgh with Malkin and Crosby. No doubt, the best one-two center punch in the league. Like, there's just no arguing that. A few years ago, you had the LA Kings with uh, Kopitar and, and Carter. And you have you well okay now the one exception might be the Blackhawks where you have Taves and then you know Anisimov and one year they even had Michael Hanzus you know who that is yeah exactly you know <laughs> uh, so <laughs> but but, but in Chicago's teams, case they got they have wingers to have that punch yeah they do and they have def- they had the defensive core when they were winning um, and Anisimov's no scrub either so right. I think that. Um, I think that that's definitely something the Predators need to be looking at uh, acquiring. And if not Joe Thornton, I've heard some rumblings about Nick Bonino. Um, you know, there's always the off chance that Fisher won't retire. But like you said, you know, and uh, let's talk about the trade that Nashville didn't make, which was uh, which got talked about. Uh, Matt Duchesne, you know, he, he's been a name that's been on uh, on the rumor mill for a while now. Oh, he's been linked to so many teams. But I think the problem with him is Colorado's valuing him too highly, and I don't think, you know, the Predators, their savvy GM, is not going to give up more than, you know, what Duchesne is actually worth. Yeah, and uh, I, the rumors are that uh, the package was uh, Ekholm. They were asking uh, Ekholm was the centerpiece of the Colorado ask from Nashville. So, um, you know, we, we decided uh, that, that defensive core is what brought us to the Stanley Cup final. We're not going to break it up. That's, I mean, and that's smart. Right now, I'm sitting here pausing, thinking, would I make that trade if I were in the Predators situation? And I, you know, you might get me six times out of ten to say yes to that trade, but I, I, that's a tough one. I'd have to sit down and think about that more than just thirty seconds here. Yeah, that's definitely it is a tough one, and uh, I do say centerpiece. You know, uh, Colorado apparently has really, really been valuing Duchesne highly. They might have been asking for, you know, Ekholm and a first or something. You know, and that's something where like. Wow, now that becomes Tolvanen. Uh, and let's mm-hmm. talk about the draft a little bit. Oh yeah, um, I, I really like what you Predators guys did. In had the draft. a really good pickup in the first round. Do what? What'd you say? I, I think you guys had a really, really good draft. Not just in the first round, but overall. I mean, you, your guys' prospects. You made the most of what you got. When you make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, like I said with Pittsburgh, and like I'll be saying for these couple teams that made it deep. You know, when you don't pick in the top 10, you got to make sure your scouts are doing their work and you got to find some players that, you know, other people might have passed on and you might find some hidden gems. Yeah, I definitely think sometimes you have to take risks too if you're picking late. Guys like, uh, you know, you see a guy dropping like Lilligren uh, and you see a team like Toronto uh, taking advantage of that. You know, I say taking advantage of, but teams passed on him for a reason. Um, it is a risk, but. You, that's the kind of thing you have to do, and I think the Preds did that because uh, apparently the story with uh, Tolvanen is he was he was projected to go higher, but uh, in the interviews, which are apparently a big deal, he came off as arrogant, and um, and also there was question his his defensive game was questionable, and he he had also only played on international ice, so you know there are, there are other problems too, right? But um, but uh, if, if I think there's any, a, I think he's definitely an offensive talent. I, d- I think if there's any place where an offensive talent can learn to be more of a two-way, it's probably Nashville. And, you know, you got to think, if I've got those guys behind me, that gives me freedom up on the offensive uh, third of the ice 
to do something creative because I know those guys will help me out here up up top, and if I if I make a mistake, they'll bail me out up out back, you know. And I got a I got a world class goaltender in Pecorine back there, uh, but I don't know how much longer you guys are gonna have Pecorine. Yeah, that's definitely something. Uh, he's been the heart and soul of Nashville just as much as a guy like Shea Weber has been. Um, I think that uh, he might be one of the first numbers retired here, but uh, Pecorine might not be here for very much longer. Um, his contract is expiring, I believe, in three years, uh, and it is a big contract. It's a huge but, contract. Uh, it's definitely something. It's definitely one he deserves. Um, although you got to look at you know who's in the pipeline to replace him. And you know you guys got that. You guys got a backup goaltender in uh, UC Soros, who I actually got to. Uh, watch a little bit this year he he did play a game against buffalo you know he, he's still a little bit raw i don't think he's quite ready to be your number one and flip-flop with pecorine but in a few years i think he might be ready but you know when pekka goes are you guys gonna have to sign a ufa to be your backup or is Saros gonna be good enough to be a starter you know i'm gonna agree with you uh i definitely think that it's gonna take some time to groom and i think that's something time will tell you know if if Sar- you we won't know that for sure and i don't think it's worth worrying about until we see Saros playing this year and an interesting thing about Saros is that uh and maybe a worrying thing is that he is definitely below average height for an nhl goalie a guy like pecorina he he towers in the goal and I think we're looking at taller and taller goalies as guys like Ben Bishop and uh, Pecorino are doing well in the league. Um, oh, right. But then you then you look out towards L.A. and you got a guy like Jonathan Quick there who's not the biggest guy on the ice, and he's certainly one of the top five goalkeepers in the league. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. But I, uh, I just have a feeling that just like GMs might overvalue uh, strong, gritty players, I think they might also overvalue tall goalies. Right, which is why I think a guy like UC Saros can fly under the radar till he gets, uh, he actually starts in a, in a couple of years. And I and looking up his stats, he's got like a, I think it was like a, a over a nine twenty save percentage, which is fantastic. That's definitely solid. And you got to realize he's playing protected, uh, sheltered minutes. Uh, so, you know, I think that's just Nashville trying to develop him the right way. And uh, we'll we'll definitely see. He'll be in. Uh, he'll be. He'll, he'll really be tested next season. Oh, yeah, because I, I, personally, if I were the Predators, I'd start to roll with a 1A, one 1B one kind of goalie situation just to see how Saros actually can handle uh, a little bit more of a starter workload because Pecorine played 61 games last year, and I believe Saros would would have played somewhere in the uh, like high teens, maybe in 2021 if he played every game that Pekka didn't. Um, but, you know, is he going to be able to handle maybe 30 35 games next year yeah i think i think he can definitely handle the load uh it's just something he's gonna have to be uh put on slowly and i i trust the predators uh management to uh make the right decision on that one uh let's transition into talking about some of the predators prospects which and uh you know if you guys on my youtube channel here i have been doing the predators gm mode so i've become somewhat familiar with the pipeline of the predators but i certainly don't know it quite well enough and you know ea sports is bad with their ratings you know i think we can talk about first the prospects that have already started making an impact um guys that are might still technically be rookies but uh played and made an impact even in the uh even in the playoffs guys like kevin piala oh easily uh, yeah, seems to be a high skill forward. I don't know if you haven't seen it. You should look up the overtime winner against Chicago. It was a pretty goal, and um, the dude's got Pontus, some skill. Oh yeah, and Pontus Aberg, he he has some pretty goals down the minors, and he played well in the uh, in the major leagues too. So uh, 
you know, those are guys that are already making an impact. That's exciting to see. It's nice to see young guys, especially as a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, we saw it over, you know, across the ice uh, against Pittsburgh. You know, they're rolling out guys like, uh, you know, Jake Gensel uh, coming up. But, uh, you know, in, 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 in uh, Nashville's got the same thing. Kevin Fiala, I think, is going to be a top six forward soon, if not next year. I mean, the dude's got promise. He's just got to, you know, keep showing it. That's definitely true. Um, and I think, so some of the other prospects that, that we're looking at, we're looking at, for the Predators, like they're always known for, uh, drafting defensemen and and holding on to their defensive prospects. Guys like guys like uh, Dante Fabro, uh, Jack Doherty. Um, you got a guy like uh, Gerard. You know, the, I think some of them fly under the radar because Nashville isn't a Montreal or a Toronto where every prospect gets very hyped up, but uh, they're definitely solid prospects. Right, and I think they could be overshadowed by uh, uh, by that top, by that the starting uh, caliber defenseman in Nashville. Those top six, those six guys you got there wearing a Predators uniform, are pretty damn good. So those guys down in the system aren't nearly being looked at as much because you know if you're a middling team with bad defense, you're really looking down the pipeline and trying to talk about your defensive prospects as much as you can to see like okay who's going to come up and save this defensive core. But Nashville's got a really good defensive core, so I don't know when these guys are going to crack the NHL. You know, well. Or they could be used as a trade to maybe acquire a center if you guys strike out in UFAs. Uh, or maybe another forward. Who knows what they'll be used to acquire. Or they'll just play, you know? That's true. Uh, I mean, they could definitely see top six time in the NHL. Uh, I don't think Irwin or Weber are locked in there, locked in those spots. Um, you could definitely see a prospect coming up if he wows the team enough, uh, wows management enough. Um, but you're right. They also could be seen as centerpieces of trades in the future if uh, they are touted enough. So um, that's something interesting. And we also got to talk about some of the forward prospects. Uh, for the, I feel like for the first time, uh, definitely we're not looking too bad on uh, forward prospects. So we already talked about Tolvin in a little bit, but also guys like uh, Vladislav Kamenev. Um, and Trennan. They're both uh, forward prospects who are pretty touted now. Who are very good and are going to be the future of Nashville. I think Nashville can make another cup round next year. Where do you see them going here before we have to wrap it up? Uh, you know, next year I think expectations should be tempered. You know, we can't uh, expect to make the cup or bust. You know, it's well, of course we want to win the cup, but we, we were a 16 seed last year and it was an amazing run, certainly. Uh, I think that if we make the playoffs and, and win a round, it would be a success. But uh, obviously you want to win the Cup, so we'll see what happens. Right, and you guys are in that damn central division, and with the new way the playoffs are working, uh, it's going to be tough, tough as ever to go ahead and keep advancing. It is. Uh, but that's all the time we have for this one, guys. Thank you guys so much for watching. John and I will be back as we keep going in reverse draft order through each team and doing an off-season breakdown. Make sure to subscribe if you want to be notified when we post one of these, and we will see you guys in the next one.